so take that. I've been there for a long time. Uh, I said this quote to you uh, a few weeks ago. I still find it to be, man, it just grabs me every time I see it. Uh, D.A. Horton, he said, um, As the church, to give aid, we often require a credit check and multiple personal references. Jesus' only requirement was a pulse, and if people didn't have one, he gave them that too. Man, that just speaks volumes to me every time I, I think about, you know, the way I really vet people before I, you know, I want to help them. And, and, and it's just so the opposite of the way Jesus did it. Uh, Molly says all the time, oh, before we, can I just say, you guys have to quit giving Molly so much attention. She's getting so conceited. She was walking around the house uh, yesterday and she was saying, I'm so pretty. I'm so pretty, you know. And she's just so proud of herself. So, you know, help me tear her down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Um, but anyway, she's got this thing where uh, I'm convinced that she's going to have a future in the military because she's training to be a general. Because she's just constantly walking around barking orders, you know, at me and at Jess and stuff like that. And she has this thing where she says, um, she says, uh, Daddy, say that to me, or Daddy, do that to me. And it goes like this. She, she tells me to do something, get me some milk, you know, or get me. You know, she's always commanding orders at me. And she says, get this for me. And so I do the great dad thing, and I get down on the knee, and I'm down on her level, and I'm like, now, sweetie, is that how we ask for things? And then she just starts crying and goes to her mom and says, Daddy, say that to me, you know. And who knows what that means? It's just her way of saying, Daddy didn't say to me what I wanted him to say to me. And uh, I get it constantly. Uh, I, was, uh, I got home the other day, and she was in a really good mood. And she came up, she gave me a hug. And while she was running to me, she tripped over a shoe. And she was running to me, she tripped over a shoe. And then she got up and went straight to her mom and said, Daddy, do that to me. You know, and she's constantly, constantly something. Uh, he, here's the thing with her. I struggle uh, with the, the line between, like, unconditional love and tough love. You know, so at, at nighttime when she's can't sleep because she's afraid of the dark, I sympathize. I'm a little bit afraid of the dark, you know, and I want to be have tough love and be like, get back in your bed, you know, and, and then I, I just want to be like, I'm a little bit afraid too, you know, and that's okay. And I just struggle with this line between, you know, how how do I show love right here? And um, I, I struggle with that with her. I struggle with that in the way that we give aid and in the way that we care for people. You know, how do we have tough love while still saying, I love you unconditionally? Uh, <clears throat> this is Global Hunger Sunday, October 9th or the second Sunday in October every year. Global Hunger Sunday. We have some things here. And um, we overflowed the box, which is pretty cool. I actually walked out of the house and forgot all my stuff at home. So I've, I'm glad you guys brought stuff so it's not empty. Um, but so uh, Global Hunger Sunday. And, and here's the thing that I think of at, on this Sunday, and this is why we jump into this today, is um, how are we supposed to give this away? And who are we supposed to give food to? And, and are we ever hurting more than we're helping? And, you know, just on how on earth do we, do we kind of walk through the way that we do missions and the way that we serve? And how do we be sure that we're doing good things and not doing bad things? And, and why do we serve and who do we serve and all that different kind of stuff? 
today I want to jump in, just two weeks, talking about missions and why on earth we do some of these things and uh, and how do we do it well and how do we not screw people up worse than, than when we got there, you know, which is which is we have potential to do that, right? And so, so how do we walk through all that? And today we jump into this kind of much debated side when it comes to giving aid and all that different kind of stuff. And uh, it's, it's debated in politics, it's debated in our personal lives, there's so much gray area, and it's this idea of helping the helpless. And how on earth do we help people who at this point are not helping themselves? And, and whether they can or whether they can, and whether it's a choice and whether it's not, how on earth do we help those people? Personally, I view this through a couple different lens. Number one, I think about the students that I, that I teach, and they're you know, 19, 20, all the way up to 21. And, uh, and some of them have not helped themselves at all. And they have only done things to, to kind of make their path a little bit more challenging. And, and there are people who are, who are helpless in, in some ways, um, helpless in, in terms of, you know, they, they just haven't, they haven't considered, you know, the good things that they can do for themselves. And nobody really sat them down and said, you know, here's what you can do that would get you out of this hole. And they're just kind of helpless to, they, they need some help to navigate how to get back on the path. And um, so I see them, and then I see Molly, who, who really is helpless. I mean, she knows how to demand things, but, but she needs me to live, you know. And, and so, you know, does aid look different for the 21-year-old who's made some bad decisions than it does for the 2-year-old who is just would be hungry if no one was there to feed her? And, and as I just think through those things, man, it's just pretty challenging. And ultimately, I just want to look at it, and I want us to walk away saying, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, like, I think this is what it's supposed to look like. The big question is, what has Jesus called me to do? I would say this, and, and, and you should know this, right? And, and if you've been trying to live out your life as a believer for any period of time, I think you would agree. It's not super easy in, in today's world to, to be a believer. You know, sometimes it's not so bad, but sometimes it's really challenging to really try to live out your faith. But what is super hard, what is nearly impossible, and what is almost unthinkable is to try to live out your faith the way Jesus called you to live out your faith. And, man, when we dive through that, you're going to see, man, it may be hard to to live as a believer in in today's world, but, man, it is incredibly hard to live the way Jesus called you to live. Man, he asked things of us that seem like just seem incredibly impossible. And you know how Jesus lived just totally forsaking this life for the next. And what if you viewed every decision you made in terms of how does this affect the next life? Every time I think of that, I think of the guy that said, um, I think two seconds in, or I know that two seconds into eternity, we're all going to be wishing that we had done this life a lot differently. And man, just as as I think through these things and I think about trying to live like Jesus, I think, man, this is a tall order. So if you get your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10, all right? Luke chapter 10, uh, really interesting thing. If you've been on earth for any period of time, uh, you probably heard this story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. If you watch Seinfeld, it's kind of like the last season, you know, they, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, if you're Netflixing it or something or whatever, wherever it's on. Uh, the, the last season, they go to jail, and, and that's how it ends because they violated the Good Samaritan law. Anybody know that? So anyway, uh, interesting stuff. But if you've, if you've been around for any period of time, you've heard this story. And it's, it's a pretty interesting thing because beyond this idea of, of someone just doing something good for someone else for no apparent reason, it's pretty interesting because there's a guy in the story, and what prompts Jesus to tell the story is the guy comes to Jesus, and he asks this question, and the guy's pretty full of himself, right? But ultimately, he comes to Jesus, and, and he's trying to flesh out, 
who is it, Jesus, that I have to serve? And who is it that, that I am really supposed to invest in? Am I really expected to love everyone, people that hate me, people that only want me dead? You know, Who are the people that I really have an obligation to? The dialogue for that begins in verse 25, Luke 10, 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, it'll help you as you walk through this, and really as you walk through any text, to just kind of say, if I was the original audience here, I'm the first people that are hearing this text, you know, just as it's written, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm way back then, what does it say to me if I'm them? So, so they hear this expert in the law stands up, and he asks a really basic question. And if an expert asks a really basic question, he's probably not trying to get a real answer. He's probably just looking for an opportunity to kind of spout off all the knowledge that he has. So he asks this question. And Jesus, just like he always does, answers a question with a question. And he says, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Uh, when I was a kid, my mom used to do this all the time. You ask the mom do this? You say, uh, well, am I in trouble? What do you think you should be in trouble? And then I would say, clearly I'm in trouble. Can you just tell me what I can and can't do? Well, what do you think you should be able to do and not be able to do? You know, and, and I hated it every moment of it. But you know what? It made me think through, you know, uh, instead of just taking my punishment and saying this sucks, you know, I, I would think through it and think, you know, this is probably pretty fair. And I didn't tell that to my mom. But Jesus comes through and, and he's asking him questions because what he wants him to do and what I hope that, that, that we do as a church is he wants this guy to discover some truth for himself. And just want to feed him some truth and say, this is, is what you should believe. He says, man, think through it and work through it. Verse 27, Jesus says, or the man answers. says, he answered, this is what you're supposed to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right? That, that, that sounds like a good answer. In short, he says, love God, love people. That seems like pretty good stuff, right? He says, if you want that, love God, love people. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And then Jesus, uh, the man, verse 29, says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And the reason he does this, and the original audience knows this, they know that these guys that are, that are leaders in the religious law, what they would do is they would love people who were just like them. And they would love people who, who, were, who were God followers or at least pretended to be God followers and people who came to church. You know, It'd be like me only loving people who, who are willing to come to church and, and who do those kind of things, but nobody else. And so what he's trying to get Jesus to say is, is, is that these are the, the only people you have to love are people that love you back, are people that are somewhat lovable. And, and he knows that, that I, I'll be in violation of this law if everyone's my neighbor, so I need it to not be everyone. And all the original readers know that this guy, this leader in the law, loves people that are like him and looks down his nose at everybody else. And so he says, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And, uh, and this is what Jesus says. And again, instead of just giving him some straight answer, because he could have just come right out and said it, Jesus goes into the story. And in verse 30, it says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. You pause there for just a minute. This is like if I said to you, this is how the story starts. Uh, and this is exactly how they understood it to be. If I said uh, a guy was walking down Bourbon Street on 2 a.m. and turned into a dark alley. And you'd be like, this story may not go very well. And that's exactly what they're thinking. Because this is a dangerous road, lots of thieves. And the fact that he says one man, a guy's walking by himself on this super dangerous road. He says a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. 
They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Here's the guy. He's laying there. He's half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And no doubt, like with good reason, if, if you, you imagine some of the priests that, that are that, you know, uh, serve in some of those churches downtown and they see a guy and he looks like maybe he's been beat up or maybe he just looks homeless, you know, and, and he's laying there and they probably see it all the time and, and, and they've just kind of come numb to it. And so this priest comes by and he sees this guy laying there and he just kind of walks on past him. Verse 32, it says, So too a Levite, when he came to the place he saw him, passed by on the other side. Levite are these people that helped in the temple. And so you can think of it like a, a devout churchgoer or a deacon or something like that. Verse 33, but a Samaritan. And so what they hear is, but a Samaritan. And if you can imagine, so they've heard the priest didn't stop and, the, and, and, you know, and, and like the deacon didn't stop. And then the Samaritan comes by and you think this is where the story gets terrible. Because these people understood Samaritans to be the lowest of society. They rob people. They're God haters. They, they, they want to kill Jews and people that are like me, you know. And so if they're coming by, surely this is where the story takes a turn for the worst. And maybe the guy's got just a couple things left that the robbers didn't take. And he takes the very last bit of it. And that's where they're thinking the story's about to go. It says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged, bandaged, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus kind of winds up the story and he turns back to face the man. And he asks the man, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the guy's an expert, right? He's not dumb and he knows what he has to say. And so the expert in the law replied, well, you know, very clearly, man, it's the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. And Jesus tells this big story that says very clearly, you want to know who your neighbor is? Man, your neighbor, it's not everyone, but it's anyone. And your neighbor is anyone in need. And in the same way the Samaritan served the Jew, right? It doesn't matter where you come from or your nationality or why somebody got where they are or, or, or where they are or what their intentions are for the future. Your neighbor, and he's speaking to us, right? People that are supposed to be God followers. He says, our neighbor, the people that you are called to serve, that you're supposed to go and do likewise and serve in the same way this, the good Samaritan served, is anyone who is in need. And he, and he just says this, and he stresses this truth over and over. Every time Jesus begins to serve people, he makes it very clear that we are to serve anyone who is in need. The interesting thing about the Good Samaritan is that by all accounts, he doesn't know this guy at all. This guy that he helped could have been the worst guy in the world, could have, could have been involved in who knows what. But the Good Samaritan is just not his concern how the man got there or what happened to him. He says, this is somebody in need, and this is somebody I've got to be a neighbor to. You know what? I'm I'm a little bit ashamed to admit I, I admit this is true about me, but you know what? It this used to make me is is mad.